I could give you a taste of what I was going to preach, but what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and switch into other gears. We had talked about un, unwrapping Christmas for the longest time, and uh, we, we mentioned how we, we wanted uh, unwavering hope, or excuse me, unwavering faith and, and, and unending love and and, and, you know, we need joy, unwavering joy. And um, I, I know those of you who are in the, in the um, freedom class, we talked about why it's important to keep and maintain your joy. Because when you're down and depressed, you don't necessarily go out and do all that God has for you to do. You don't necessarily feel like doing all that God has for you to do. How many of you guys know that once you sign the dotted line to become a Christian, it, it doesn't necessarily go on feelings anymore, right? Right? Um, that's why it's called a faith walk. <laughs> well, we live by faith and not by sight. So um, Mark said you could do one of two things. You could either go, go it alone or, or we can talk about unreserved worship. And uh, to be honest with you guys, I look at that word unreserved and I feel um, unequipped to really talk about that. Because unreserved means without reservation. It means standing, you know, having nothing in your way. And so uh, the, the, part of, the part of me that, that continues to battle within me is the, the unreserved part. I can't personally say that I have an unreserved worship. So, Wes, how are you going to preach on that? You know, I was asking Mark, how do you really preach on that? I mean, we can preach on unending love because we look at Christ and we look at God and we see that there is an unending love. The Bible's very clear. It says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Not heights or depths, nor de- uh, demons or angels or, or principality. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That, for me, is a little bit easier to preach on. But then we get into this, this, this worship part. And I can preach on worship because I love my God. I, I love Jesus with all of my heart. I have since I was seven years old. I have I've been wanting to be a pastor all of my life, and I'm continuing to strive for that, and I think I'm, I'm doing okay, right, Joe? We're doing all right? Okay, good. And uh, <clears throat> so with all of that said, I begin to look at myself, and I look at my life, and I begin to say, where in my life did I feel unreserved worship? Where in my life did I see that I actually can portrayed a worship that was unreserved? Um, I go back to my Bible school days when, when I was in Bible school for two years. Two years of being in the presence of God every day for two years, that is huge. That's like a drinking from a fire hose, okay? Two years of being in God's presence. You wake up to devotions and praise and worship, and if you can stand, you can go eat. Breakfast, you know, and then you get back and you go into in the class and you break open your word and, and, and you got somebody teaching you the word for, for two years. And worship wasn't just worship like we do here. It wasn't just singing a couple songs. It was hours of people making up stuff. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm serious. You know, somebody would get on a, on a guitar and just hit a chord pattern, and then people would just endlessly, countlessly get up on stage and begin to sing praises and worship God. And then when we felt sort of a lull, then the drums would kick in, and everybody went way back up. And so we'd start worship all over again. And it was, it was amazing. And I, I can say that then there was a time of unreserved worship in my life because I didn't really have a lot to worry about. I had a schedule handed to me. You know, I was soaking 
constantly in the presence of God. And then I decided to get married, grow up a little bit, and it's not that way. You've got to set your own schedule, you know? You've got to make the time for God. You've got to make sure that your life and all the hustle and bustle and all the go, 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 especially somebody like me, the little energizer bunny, boom, 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 you know, the next year turns around and I'm still, you know, wheels to the floor, let's go. And in all of that, you still have to find your heart and give it to God. You still have to find where you and he connect and watch it inspire things in your life. See, I love the New Year's time. I really do. Um, last year for the revolution, New Year's rocked, okay? We started, right? Well, yeah, okay. So um, we started uh, our 2009 with the time of prayer, and we were just going to pray for a couple people. We were going to pray that, you know, our new year be, um, our new year is going to be good and stuff like that. An hour later, come on, this is young people now. An hour later, with tears flowing, Hearts being given to Christ, lives being given to Christ, drugs being destroyed in front of our face. Life-changing stuff happened right then and there. So I love New Year's. I'm always excited about New Year's because people feel like, hey, it's okay. This is a brand new page I can turn. This is something, I can start this all over again. Okay? The Bible's very clear. It says God's mercies are new every morning. Not just every year, but every morning. Why do you think I spend so much time in the shower in the morning? I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, <laughs> I need your mercy today. Forgive me for all the junk I did yesterday, okay? I mean, that's just being real because I, I'm human, and I can, I can definitely put on an attitude like some of you in this room. <laughs> just being real. Come on. Come on. All right. So <clears throat> anyway, I love the, I love the, um, I love the New Year's because um, in all of this hustle and bustle, we get to take the time to, to turn the page. We actually get to take the time to say, okay, I'm going to do this all over again and this all over again. And, and a lot of us start um, setting New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys do that? Every year you set a New Year's resolution, only to find out that on December 26th, you've got like six days left, and you're like, I got to lose 20 pounds, you know. <laughs> I got to learn how to speak Chinese. Ah, I've only got six days, you know. Um, you're, you're trying to learn a new language, or you're trying to lose that weight, or you're trying to land a brand new job, or you, you know, you ladies, maybe I need a different hairstyle, and oh, I only got six days, and they're not open, or it's going to cost me an arm and a leg, or, you know. I'm not a lady, so I don't know. It's like usually it's one right there. Um, it cost me 15 bucks, okay, to get my hair cut. And if I had clippers, I'd do it myself. So, <laughs> all right. But uh, in all of this rush, um, I, my challenge to you, which is also my challenge to me, find time, make time, carve out time to worship God. Don't just let it be the end of the year. Oh, I'm going to, you know, next year my worship to God's going to be different. Next year, my worship is going to be better. Don't wait until 2010. Don't wait until tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Lori knows that really well, Lori Fast. Her mom died uh, in October. You know, we have people in this church that we know, families that have lost loved ones recently. So you're not promised tomorrow. Don't wait, don't wait till tomorrow to worship. Don't. So I'd like to get into a passage of scripture. 
as I'm changing things in my head, I don't know necessarily how to change them in the vocal, so I'm going to do it this way. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 2. Now, we've read this before as far as the, uh, the Christmas story has gone. I actually got to read this during Christmas Eve, uh, during our Christmas Eve service. But I want you guys to hear it from uh, a, a different perspective this morning. My prayer is that you'll hear it uh, with different ears this morning because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to focus on one central part. Now, I'm going to be reading it out of the message. Most of you will be uh, in like an NIV or, or a New King James or something like that. But I'm going to read it out of the message because I think it just gives it a little bit more pop where I want to go. Uh, chapter 2 of Luke. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. See, the message is already different. <laughs> they had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them, and yet they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. The angel says, a Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're looking for, a baby that's wrapped in a blanket, laying in a manger, at once with the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir, and they all began to sing God's praises. They said, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who pleases him. As the angel choir withdrew, I'm at verse 15, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over, and they said, let's go, let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can, and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. So they left running and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. Seeing that day was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear and deep within herself. The shepherds returned and let loose. They were glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out to be exactly what they were told. That's the message version. The, 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 the focus of this passage this morning is, is uh, verse 20 and 21. It says, the shepherds returned and let loose. How many of you ever like to let your hair down a little bit? Let loose. You know? I have to admit, and I hope I don't lose man points on this one, Come on. but every now and then, I like a quiet bathroom with a hot shower or a hot bath and some soft music playing. <laughs> That's my way of letting loose. I can just kind of go, <sighs> right? I'm sorry, did I lose any man points with anybody in here? Are we good? Yeah, just a couple. All right. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, fine. <clears throat> that's okay. I'm in, touch with my, I'm in touch with my feminine side. That's why I got three girls in the house, and I grew up with all women, and I just, I just can't help it. <laughs> that's crossing the line, Wes. Knock it off. All right. Um, <clears throat> but you see, the shepherds, they, they cut loose. They, they got so excited. What they did was they said, you know what? We're going to go back to our dwelling place. We're going to go back to our families and our friends and our immediate social circles. And we're going to tell everybody what we just saw because what we were told, it's true. The Messiah is here. The master is here. 
And when they had that encounter with Christ, when they saw that not only what God said was real, but they saw it with their physical eyes, the Bible says in the message it said, that day seeing was believing. Now that's not faith, is it? Faith is believing without seeing. But that day it caused them to to be inspired. What they saw caused them to be inspired. What they saw caused them to believe. Sometimes we need to see people happy before we can be happy. I know like when I walk in my house after a hard day's work, I feel the atmosphere first. (laughs) I come in and I look at mama's face. I look at baby's face. And I try and hear if my little girls are running around arguing or not. If it's quiet in the house, I know it's been a good day. I can walk in and be my normal self. But if it's not quiet in the house, you see, then seeing is believing. I know what I'm stepping into, okay? But then there's times where faith has to kick in, and you have to believe it before you're ever going to see it. The shepherds this day, when they saw baby Jesus, when they saw that this happened, it inspired worship. It says that they were running around praising and glorifying God. Uh, How many of you have run around praising and glorified God to the top of your lungs before? I know I have. Was it fun? Oh, it was a blast. (laughs) Is it embarrassing? You betcha. (laughs) There's times where I would do it in the middle of a store, and Jennifer drives off that way, and I'm still praising God down the aisle, you know, I'm like, woo, because he's awesome, you know, and people are looking at me funny, and that's That's okay. It's all right. That's why God calls me a peculiar people. Um, but, the, but the shepherds, the shepherds that day were inspired to worship. And, and what, I want, what I want to touch on is that one part right there. They returned back to where they were and they told everyone. They went back and they were singing praises and glorifying God. And when you, when you have that encounter with Christ... When you have that that time where it becomes less paper in a book and more heart and head knowledge, when it becomes everything that your life is built around, when you have that encounter, that should inspire worship. It's very hard for me to talk about unreserved worship because I don't know what that means, but I can tell you about inspired worship. There's a, a, a church in Kansas, actually it's Missouri. They're so close together, whatever. I've been, I've, I've been close to it. I haven't actually gone to the school, but I know some, some uh, uh, people from my last church that they, they go to that, that uh, church slash school. It's a school most of the year, but it's also a church, and it's a 24-hour house of prayer, 365 days a year, 24-7, someone's worshiping. 365 days a year, 24-7, someone's praying. 365, somebody's getting healed. Now, if that doesn't inspire worship, if that's, and, and that's, how, that's how they do it, too. Just like I told you when I was in Bible school, someone would get up on stage and just have this overwhelming awe, an understanding of God, or, or, or an overwhelming awe in, in, in the presence of Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us. 
See, we wax it so, so quickly. Oh yeah, Christ died for us, all my sins are forgiven. Do you really understand what that means? Do you really understand that if we really believe that hell is a real place, then my sins being forgiven is huge. That means I don't have to spend an eternity in hell. That means I don't have to spend an eternity apart from being able to worship God for the rest of my being, both physical and spiritual. For eternity, that inspires worship. That encounter right there wants to, it makes me want to, it makes me want to sing. It makes me want to jump and shout and dance. And, and there's just something about being able to cut loose like some of those, like those shepherds did. They let loose. They ran back to where they lived and they were worshiping and inspired, or worshiping and praising and glorifying God all the way back. See, like I said, when, when Jesus becomes more than just a, a, a word on a paper, when it becomes more than just a passing uh, Merry Christmas. I love, I love hearing the arguments. This is a side note. This one's free. <clears throat> Everything else you have to pay for later. I love it when people start telling me, oh, you, gotta, you can't say Xmas or you can't say Seamus. You know, you, gotta, you can't say Happy Holidays. It's got to be Christmas. You got to keep Christ and Christmas. Can anyone give me the definition and or origin of where Christmas came from? Show me where it is in the Bible. Some of us are all dumbfounded right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Christmas is actually a Roman Catholic term. It stood for, it is time for the Christ High Mass that they had every Christmas. And so if we are honoring Christ all the days of our life, can I get a little close to home? Is that okay? If we're honoring Christ all the days of our life, if we're actually doing what the word says that we're supposed to do, living our lives in worship, giving our life as a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1, then one particular day of people saying happy holidays probably shouldn't bug us. Because you don't go around saying... Hi, uh, Merry Jesus Day. But if you did, it would make a whole lot more sense to some people. Then it would probably ruffle some feathers, right? I mean, I, my feathers would get ruffled if somebody took away Happy Jesus Day instead of Merry Christmas. I mean, that, that, sorry, that's a side note. That's one of my pet peeves. Sorry about that. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 12 too. I'm going to move on here. Excuse me, Romans 12, chapter 1, or uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to pause because what does mercy mean? Mercy means not getting what you deserve. Okay? Let me, let me make sure that we're all clear on the same definition here. Because of God's mercy, because you're not getting what you deserve, because you are a sinful person, because you are human, because you're born in, in flesh, you're not going to get what you deserve because of God's mercy. That's what that means, okay? Everybody take a breath. It's okay. Some of you are like, okay, where's he going to go with that? Do I need mercy today? Yes, yes, you do. Every day. 
Offer yourselves, offer your bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. Why? This is your act of worship. You see, worship is not just words. It's not coming in, singing a couple songs with people at, at, at church. It's not yelling to the top of your lungs in the car. Most of you know you do that. You hear a song that you like on the radio. It's a you know, Spirit 105.3 song, and you roll up all the windows so nobody will hear you. Sorry, I have an older truck. Okay. And then you sing, you sing it to the top of your lungs. <laughs> and everybody's looking at you funny when they drive by, but you don't care because you don't think that they can hear you. Here's a hint. They can hear you. <laughs> Sorry. It says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Living your life as a sacrifice. Worship is not just songs. It's not just words. Worship is a lifestyle. We worship in everything that we do. We worship in every word that we say. Unless it's bad words. Then you're worshiping the wrong thing. But one way, shape, or form, your words will form some sort of worth-ship. You look it up in the Greek and the Hebrew, it will both translate to a type or shadow of worth. That's what worship boils down to. Giving God his worth. Showing God how much he's worth to you. So living your life as a living sacrifice is your reasonable act of worth-ship. And you know why he put those two together? He put the very beginning of the verse together because of God's mercy. Giving God back the worth that he deserves because you're not getting what you deserve. You notice that he put that together. Paul, Paul penned this properly. This isn't a mistake. Because you have been granted mercy from your sins, because you have been granted mercy because of who you are and what you've done and or what you're going to do. That's a scary thought. You've been given grace, and because of that, live your life as a sacrifice of worth to God. See, worship isn't always about words, but I'm, I'm going to venture to say that worship is always about actions. The phrase that says, actions speak louder than words. It's okay if we sing, and please don't stop singing, you guys. I, I, I didn't have my voice for that this morning, and, and I would stop, and you guys were lifting your voice, and that, that to me is just so angelic. I don't care if it was off-key, but it wasn't. I don't care if it's very bassy, but it wasn't, because there's more ladies in here than guys. Glory, glory. You know, it's like, we didn't get the full choir today. <laughs> but that, that time of singing, please don't stop doing it. Singing in the shower, please don't stop. Worshiping God when you're washing the dishes, please don't stop. But, but I want to get it from, from just something that you sing or say to a lifestyle. Unreserved worship is about a lifestyle. It's living your breath to breath, meal to meal, every waking moment, finding out how you can give glory and worth and honor back to God for what he's done for you. Back to Christ because even though he came as a baby, he grew up and was a man and died on the cross for you.
Does that make sense? Does that hit home to anybody? Living your life as a worth-ship. Living your life as though God is worth something to you. Now, that's hard to do whenever um, young people are listening to all these little songs talking about, all oh, the single ladies, all oh, the single ladies, all oh, the single If you like it, then you should have put a ring on. That's right. That's right. When you're old enough to get married, if they like it, they better put a ring on it. But that's not something that's going to attribute worth to God if you're singing it to a person that is trying to get you in bed and you end up, you know, I mean, or how about, how, how about any of the other words that are in, in songs nowadays or even back in, <clears throat> I don't know, back in Tim's day. Um, I mean, choose any of those words. Lindell, I love you, so I had to turn this way because you were right in my sight, lady. <clears throat> if you think about the words that we sing on a daily basis, if you think about the words that you say to your spouse, to your significant other, to your kids, are those words attributing worth to them? Are they attributing worth to God if they are not, my challenge is don't wait until a new year. Start now. Men, you want to change your marriages around? You want to change your marriages around? Keep your mouth shut and only honor your woman with, it, with your words. That's a hard thing to do. I have a beautiful wife, but sometimes I got to be like, just room. I'm serious. Because I honor her. Because I don't want to do anything or say anything that would tear her down. Because I don't want to do anything or say anything that would not bring honor to my father for the beautiful blessing that I have called my wife. That is living a life of worship. There's times when we take offerings like, like for the Living Water International. That is a time of worship. Worship doesn't just extend past or, or extends way past your words. It, it dips into your heart. It dips into your wallet. It dips into all of your business. Okay, it does. Worship is, it's deep. It's because you are showing God what you think you're worth and also what you think he's worth with your money, with your words, with your attitude. You are placing worth-ship in everything that you do. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, live your life holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of giving worth back to him. And then when, you're, when, you're, when your actions and your words speak together, it comes out a little something like this. I'm gonna turn to Psalms chapter 40. Psalms chapter 40. Sorry, I didn't have this one. 40, 4 zero. Psalms chapter 40. And this is directly from the heart of David. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of my slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. If that's not an ounce of salvation in that scripture, I want to know what is. David was attributing worth back to God. He said, 
because you've picked me up and you've given me a solid place to stand. He says, you put a new song in my mouth, a new hymn of praise to you, God. Many will see this, will fear you, and put their trust in you. See, when you have that encounter with Christ, what you do doesn't just affect you. When you have a moment of inspired worship, let loose. Let it out. Because it says, many will see. Parents, it's important that your kids see you worship. It's important that they see you live what you're saying and not just saying what you're saying. And when that moment of inspired worship comes out, just like David says, you put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to my God, and I will sing it, and many will see, and they will put their trust in you. See, when we're living that life, when we're living a life that gives worth back to God, it affects everyone around you. Why do you think the shepherds, back in Luke chapter 2, why do you think they, they decided, we're going to just let it go. We're going to let loose. We saw something awesome, and we really don't care who sees because we're going to tell everybody anyway. They went back worshiping and glorifying God so that others will see and worship and glorify God. You know, uh, the, the Message Bible was pretty clear. It says that uh, back in Luke chapter, chapter 2, it says that uh, the angel said, don't be afraid, I am here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for uh, just a handful. A great and joyful event that's meant for the Jews only. A great and joyful event that is meant for everybody, worldwide. Everybody. So for those of you who are 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 struggling with being able to worship God in your place of employment. Because um, as much as I love Washington, this is the most politically incorrect, correct place ever. That's the way I feel. Make them stop me. (laughs) But when I was working uh, at Buckle, there were um, a couple of people who, who were in the religion of Islam. Um, there was a homosexual young man there, very confused, bitter young man. But he, was, he, he, he decided he wanted to be a homosexual. And then there were a bunch of um, fence-riding Christians. And this is just me being real, okay? And then I was there. And long story short, in order to, to save for time, I got fired because I wouldn't keep my mouth shut about Jesus. I got fired because all of these people were, were experiencing Jesus in a way that they had never experienced him before because I wouldn't keep my mouth shut. I would walk in singing praises to God every day. I would walk in, somebody would ask me, hey, how's your day going? I'm blessed because Jesus loves me. You know, on the clock, they asked me to, hey, keep that down a little bit. And I thought, you know what? I don't have to say the name Jesus, but I can show him. And I made sure that I encountered everybody and, and, and everyone that, that bumped into me or I deliberately bumped into. Um, 
encountered Christ some way, shape, or form that day. And, and when, when it all came down, the devil just couldn't handle it. And everybody started picking on me, okay? The, the, the folks who were uh, Islamic, they, they kept on saying that I was trying to push my religion on them. All I said was good morning, you know? I never once even mentioned the word Jesus around them because I didn't want to bicker. I didn't want to argue. It's not what it's about. It's about relationships and being able to bridge a relationship to be able to talk to them about it. They never, never accepted that opportunity, but they said that I, 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 I was pushing my religion on them. And then the, homo, the, the boy who was homosexual, he kept on asking me what I believed. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> so I told him. Well, what do you believe about, about gays? What do you believe about homosexuals? And I told him. And he runs back to the boss, and he's like, oh, he's, he's telling me I'm wrong, and he's telling me blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and he he's all, starts crying some tears. I'm like, really? You're going to cry? You're going to squirt me some tears? Really? Needless to say, they were like, well, we got two options here. We can either let you go, or you can gracefully walk out and keep a polished record. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to choose, um, I'll choose B because I'd like to get another job somewhere. <laughs> so I left. But when I left, when I actually handed in my, my, my thing, uh, the, the manager there <clears throat> was one of those fence riding Christians. He grew up in a okay home, never had a bunch of problems in his life, the only reason he, he told me, the only reason he accepted Christ as his Savior is because, well, his family thought he should. He lived a great life. He never thought that anything was really wrong. He never got drunk. He never did drugs. He didn't have sex before marriage. All the same moral things that we preach from a pulpit. But at the same time, he didn't make a stand for anything, so he fell for everything. And when I would walk in with my heart of worship, when I would walk in with my words and my songs of worship, I know, I guarantee you, it affected people there. Wes, are you getting on your own train? No, I'm not. What I'm trying to say is you have a life to live, one of worship, one of worthship, not for yourself, but for everybody else. People will see you and they will put their trust and their hope in God from how you act, how you live, what you say and what you do. And then there's times when you get inspired and when you get inspired, you don't, don't hold back. Don't hold it back. Worship is sometimes about words, but worship is always about actions. It's always about action. We're gonna take communion today. Um, this is another act of worship. And Justin, I'm going to cover it. I know, like I said, I'm preaching to the choir, most of us, but I'm going to cover it. When, when Jesus had his last supper with his disciples, he said, listen, this is my body and symbol, my body that's broken for you. This wine represents the blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you do this, as often as you do this, now, here's the trick Here's the thing. What they had was a normal dinner. They had 
normal relationship, normal fellowship. It was a sit down in your house with you and we're going to dine together. That's what we celebrate. That's what we honor. That's the, the, the thing that we continually do. But what happens is we, we've made it into a, that's the word I'm looking for here, Joe. Ritual, thank you. We've made it into more of a ritual because we do it at the end of every month or we do it at the beginning of the year, in the beginning of the year only, or, you know, and it's just something that you do again. Look at what it represents. Christ's body was broken so that yours doesn't have to be. Christ's blood was shed so that you can spend eternity, forever. Kaylee finally got the idea of infinity, so now she infinities me on everything. But she gets it. And I said, baby, that's how much Jesus loves you. Infinity. She goes, wow. That's how long you're going to spend with Jesus in heaven, baby, because, because you, you, you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. She goes, wow. I mean, think about it. Just that one moment of awe, that one moment of what Christ truly did for you, that should inspire worship. So when we take communion, don't take it lightly. Don't take it with the wrong motives of, I'm going to do it because everybody else is doing it. My challenge to you today is, if you don't have a reason to do it, don't do it. I know I probably won't be agreed with that later on, but that's okay. If you don't have a reason to do it, don't do it. If you're not going to do it out of worship, don't do it. Show God how much he's worth when we take communion. It's remembering his body. It's remembering his blood. It's remembering all he's done for us because we can't do it ourselves. I think I've actually talked enough on this subject here. My prayer is that, that the point came out. My prayer is that you got it. Because waiting until 2010 to start all this mess... We have enough stuff in life to look forward to or to rearrange or to, I mean, this next week I have a vacation. You know what we're doing on our vacation? We're going to move the office out of the office and move one of the kids into the office. I'm not, it's not a vacation. <laughs> Vacations, sitting back playing video games or drinking a, you know, nice hot cup of coffee, watching a movie, you know, that's a vacation. Well, with me anyway. I don't take my six-month-old anywhere yet. <laughs> But finding those times of worship, finding those times of, of, of being able to just sit back and go, okay, we're going to attribute worth to God today. Find those times. Don't wait until January 1, 2010 to start writing out a journal of what God's giving you. How many of you guys have dreams, visions, things you know God wants you to do? Don't wait until January 1 to start writing them down. Dream big now. Write it down now. Go for it today. Husbands and wives, don't wait until January 1 to say I'm sorry. Do it now. Because it's important. The sooner you start it, sooner you get the ball rolling, the better 2010 is going to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to be blessed in this next year. Amen? Amen. See, that's where I started. 
that's where I'm going to end. If you would, stand with me. I'm gonna do, we're going to do one more song. Uh, I do not have the words because I want you guys to just 